0: Hello, and welcome to the premiere trifecta episode of my Prediction Podcast. In this episode, we go into an extended format of the Prediction Podcast, where I intro episodes 1, 2, and 3 of my Prediction Podcast series. Uh, I really look forward to this one. Speculation is one of my favorite things. Um and I think that this is often what sparks some of my greatest discussions, which of course improves my predictions over time. Uh, Debate is the ultimate form of speculation improvement. Uh, This has been an interesting journey to come to these three predictions, and I love sharing the sources that I use to um, come to these predictions. So always feel free to, uh, reach out to me on this podcast, as I explain at the end of, uh, every episode and, um, hit me up with your comments, questions, concerns, or rants, or just to tell me why the fuck I'm wrong. Um, all of this helps us improve and improve our arguments instead of just raising our voices. Cause I never think I'm absolutely right. Um, but, I can be certain that I'm not wrong, and that's that's an interesting philosophical take on right and wrong. but um, here we go. Let's go into episode one, and thank you for tuning in. This is my first episode of Prediction Podcast. It is Saturday, October 27th, 2018. And I'm going to explore the first prediction I have to record on this podcast. Um, happens to be about political cycles. Um, I don't really care for political parties or systems of control for that matter, um, maybe that gives me the perspective that I need to be able to put pieces together, uh, maybe it happens to be some books or documentaries that I read, uh, this prediction is going to go into the presidential cycles in the United States of America, um, Most of the research, uh, besides first-hand observations, uh, are coming from a book by Amity Schlaes called The Forgotten Man, um, a documentary, uh, that aired on the BBC called The Century of the Self. You can find that on YouTube. I think it's a four-part documentary, um. And pretty much everything else is pieced together from other historical references um, and a lot of marketing research. Uh, The marketing research that goes into this prediction is mostly pulled from the 22 immutable laws of marketing Um, by... I think it's Jack Reese. Um, it, you may have read uh, The Lean Startup. That book is related to a Reese that um, wrote the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing that came a long time before that. Um, so let me get into the prediction. The prediction is that... Um, As we know, uh, Donald Trump is a reality TV star, so for most of his career, besides business, the thing that he seemed most passionate about, I'd say the thing that he actually was most passionate about, um, was celebrity. That's why even though um, he was becoming successful in business in his own way, um, had enough money to ignore celebrity altogether he still sought it out um from a cameo and home alone grew to so much more he wanted to be a celebrity um this is pretty common with trust fund kids i find um But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, now he's president. And what does that mean? That means that undoubtedly the most successful uh, reality celebrity star um, is Donald Trump in the way that he was the most effective celebrity maker when it went to reality stars, plain and simple, Um, just from... Sheer length of time doing so before it even became popular to <clears throat> be be a reality TV star. Um, and I'm pretty sure from his position being at the top of the reality TV scene, the, the celebrity of, he was essentially the Oprah of reality TV stars, um, especially since they all pretty much resort to conflict marketing, um, And when you're at the top, you start to realize who your real competition is. And he was at the top and realized the competition was becoming the president of the United States. The president of the United States um, has become more and more uh, a reality TV star type position. Um, It started with Reagan and it skyrocketed with Clinton and Um, It grew exponentially uh, with Bush, Obama, and now Trump to the point where um, I don't think they even realized that the presidency was a reality TV star position until Obama got into office. I think they dropped the ball with Bush and were trying to do things the old way and started to realize pretty quickly that they wanted somebody in there who understood how to be personable and that was so successful with obama that he did all the things reality tv stars do they they grew an audience on social media and other platforms for the first time ever for presidencies and the next inevitable evolution i i suppose in trump's mind was to combine his audience with the american people because What happens with celebrity is you collect these audiences. You don't transfer from one to another like we're used to with politics. So going into the presidency, he takes his entire audience into the presidency. And then when he leaves the presidency, he's going to take that audience with him. That's, I think, the biggest mistake people miss because... They don't step back far enough to look at the macro. But when he leaves office, he's going to have the exact same following. It's not going to diminish like it did with uh, Bush or Obama. Like his following will grow. Like he's just collecting the audience of the presidency. And that's what people don't really, really get about how Uh, celebrity marketing, especially conflict marketing like Trump. He doesn't care about whether people think he's right or wrong. It's conflict marketing. He wants to be the most apparent. He wants to be the first in the mind when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, Those principles are explored in the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Um, That's the second law of marketing, being first in the mind. That's the only law of marketing that can usurp the first law of marketing, which is being first to the market. Um, being first to the mind is the the end all when it comes to being first to the market. So um, what what I find really fascinating is when it comes to the sector of music, um, which Trump didn't really break into that much, but he had a lot of friends in it. Um, Kanye Kanye West is by far uh the best conflict marketer in the entire music industry, plain and simple. He has proteges like uh Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. Um people don't realize that they're all frenemies. They they seem like enemies to us in the public eye, but it's all an act. They're all on stage. I go into this in depth in um another podcast. Um but um I guess, giving that background, we know that Kanye West at this time is buddy-buddy with Trump. Not unlike when Katy Perry and Taylor Swift were buddy-buddy. They were friends. And then, you know, they broke up and now their conflict brings both of them you know, bigger audiences, bigger attention than ever before. They can share their audience in a way that people don't listen when someone's like, oh, go check out my friend's music. But if they can complain about somebody who's, you know, shaming them or slamming them, everyone goes to check it out. Everybody wants to turn their head to look at this, you know, scandal. Um, So here's the prediction, the cold prediction. I believe that right now... Kanye West and Donald Trump are buddy-buddy. I believe that when Trump leaves office, he will anoint Kanye West um, to go into politics. Um, I believe that this will either happen behind the scenes or out in the open, depending whether or not Kanye runs as a Democrat or a Republican. Why I say that when right now it seems like Kanye West is diehard Republican is because of the whole conflict marketing principle. Um, They are going to break up. Trump and Kanye are going to break up because Kanye is first in the mind when it comes to Trump supporters. He's the most controversial. He's the one that makes the least sense and people desperately want him to change to be Democrat. But wouldn't it be fascinating if he did, especially near the end of Trump's presidency, um, which I believe he will be reelected simply because it's insanely difficult to get a president out of office. Um, this rarely ever happens. Um, and uh, people, it, it just doesn't happen. It, it just doesn't Um So, don't count on that. Um, But I believe that uh, there will be a conflict between Kanye and Trump. And in the public's eye, Kanye will feel betrayed or whatever. And, you know, Kim, who is on the fence publicly about Kanye, but she still supports him as her husband and whatever he wants to choose. And then, you know, when he whatever is the opposing force for Trump because for whatever he was betrayed or disagrees and he sees the light now and um, he is the equal but opposite opposing force of Trump. Um, Everyone will think that they have broken up, but that is the point of conflict marketing. Um, I believe that Kanye will... This will either happen when he is in office or it will happen um, after uh, or before he goes into office. Um, I believe that uh, this is not the only way things could work, but... I would not be surprised if this is the way things go because what I realize is after being a political analyst for so long um, from the marketing industry, I didn't understand how Trump got elected and the more I looked into conflict marketing, especially getting into entertainment marketing after um, really giving up on politics and breaking in and consulting in Hollywood for a while, I started realizing that Trump just introduced conflict marketing into politics and people bought it hook, line, and sinker because we've been conditioned to want conflict marketing from reality TV, wrestling, and soap operas before that. And then after reality TV became a little bit too obvious, they moved it into the news And now nobody knows the difference between reality TV and reality. Um, This is really, really powerful for somebody with Trump's experience and somebody like Kanye with his experience in conflict marketing. Um, Kanye is going to go into office after Trump. Um, I believe that Trump is setting up things so that we have uh, really strong international ties but it collapses the country from the inside, um, from a governmental standpoint. Um, He is going to strike the blow to the Republic of America, turn it into a full democracy with no republic shackling it. Um, Industrialists, especially first industrialists, Uh, Like Trump, we're in the third industrial revolution now, and his money and industry comes from the first industrial revolution. They hate the second and third industrial revolutions. Um, And Trump has mastered the second industrial revolution, because that's the mass media revolution. Um, But it's a tool for him to keep his first industrial revolution legacy, which the third industrial revolution uh, threatens Jeremy Rifkin goes into this uh, in in depth um, you can find his books I highly suggest the third industrial revolution or zero uh cost marginal or zero marginal cost society um, or just check out he has a great docu lecture on on YouTube if you search for jeremy Rifkin third industrial revolution um, i I believe that, you know, it'll go Trump and Kanye. They'll be in conflict. There'll be a very public breakup. um, And the country will collapse in when Kanye is in office. Um, This is what people would expect from somebody like that going into office. Uh, That will be the role he plays. Um, Things will collapse in on him, which he is used to. Things collapsing in on him. He does it with stride. He knows... Um, how to direct an audience out of it. And if his audience is anti-Trump, then, you know, it will... If Trump carries his audience outside of politics, essentially we will turn from a Democrat-Republican to political system into a Trump-Kanye uh, industrialist system. Um... This means that the audiences that used to pay attention to politics, when the American system of government falls apart, uh, they will be there to step in, especially Trump. Um, Kanye builds empires, and it would be a natural evolution for him to um, uh, transition the world from, you know, the half-dead republic system of human governance uh, on one side, because you can't give everybody the same answer. Americans don't want that. so um, But they do want, you know, a celebrity leader. This is something we've been pushing for forever. We don't, like, American people in general don't want a republic, but the republic has been dead for well over 100 years. So, um Democracy has taken its place, which the century of the self goes into quite a bit. Um, so that's what I predict. I predict that um, Trump will finish his presidency, uh, most likely two terms, and then Kanye will go into office, and sometime between. Uh, now, and the first two years of Kanye in office, uh Trump and Kanye will break up publicly, and the America, as we know it, will collapse in on itself uh in that time frame. Um, it will get blamed on Kanye, and that will be the shift of uh corporate control from governmental control, which is just, it'll be more public facing now uh, at that time. It'll be more public facing at that time. Uh, Right now, it's pretty behind the scenes how um, industrial corporations are controlling things. This uh, pisses off uh, capitalists like myself when uh, capitalism gets blamed for Um, the control that it has in government, but uh, capitalists are not industrialists. Um, Just the same way a mobster is not a capitalist, even though they are uh, doing a form of capitalism. There is ethical capitalism and unethical capitalism. Um, Being a mobster is an unethical form of capitalism. Um, being an industrialist is actually pretty neutral. But the thing is, is it eventually grows into something where they have to control their environment and control is what corrupts everything. I mean, that's the turning point. Wanting to control things is the turning point that turns power and money corrupt 100% of the time. Um, so I, I'd say that... Um, I'm, I'm about over seventy percent sure that this is the most likely scenario um I'd leave about um a ten to fifteen percent chance of variation on any of the estimates that I gave uh that could change things drastically um I don't believe that there's ever an an end all prophecy of what could happen in the future. So as part of this prediction podcast, um, as time goes on, time is the ultimate changer of things. So um, when it comes to the Trump-Kanye prediction, I leave it open to myself to adjust this prediction as time goes on, as I collect new data. But as it stands... Um, Saturday, October 27th, 2018, uh, this is my preliminary prediction of, uh, political forecasting. So, this is episode two of my predictions podcast, um, this is also recorded on Saturday, October 27th, 2018. Um, in this episode, I go over a prediction I have about Apple. Um, I've been observing Apple for quite a while, long before um, I ever lo- liked their products, Um I was never biased more towards Apple or PC products and then Android as they came along. Um, I started out in uh, tech, specifically IT. Um, I saw the pros and cons of both, and I realized they were for two different types of people. Um, And they both played their roles pretty perfectly. Um... I realized that, you know, why they called Apple the cult of Apple because the people who used them believed in them without really knowing why um, they were the way they were. It was very much like a cult. um, And really only the engineers in the inner workings of Apple were the uh, experts as to why Apple was great which made it seem like a cult with the people who liked Apple because their products, they they worked. Plain and simple, they worked. Um, and as somebody in IT, specifically repairs, I can appreciate a product that works, that, um, you know, realizing that PCs were the bread and butter of a computer repair technician, but Apple, um, especially at that time, very, very rarely... Uh, needed repairs especially the virus stuff which was I'd say about 80% of the bread and butter of computer repairs back then for me um but Apple products they just worked and uh especially since you know I paid attention to them more as Steve Jobs came back to the company um I was really enticed when I was younger by uh the colorful iMacs and I saw that they were doing something that no other computer company was Um, but it wasn't until um, I would say uh, around the iPhone 5 did I start really paying attention Um, that's when they um, were you know if you didn't have a personal bias towards android or apple at that point their phones were pretty much the same quality um they were just a different user interface so they just were a different type of pretty um but it's it's quite interesting to me that um you know Apple started to die when Steve Jobs was pushed out of the company. And then when he died, Apple um, is dying again. Um, he built it up to the point where they have enough money where they can afford to last a while, um, quite a while. I, I'd say uh, I'd say they'd be gone in about a year from now if it wasn't from how much cash they're sitting on. Um, this... Is why their valuation is over a trillion dollars right now between the cash and all the other things going on in the political sphere um It's inflated their valuation uh, mostly because of interest rates on all sorts of stuff, and it just um I believe they have about five, maybe ten years max. I would be really, really surprised um, if it's 10, uh, but it's most likely going to be 5 or less. Um, there's a company that is up and coming and doing the same sort of things that Apple was doing with its uh, viral awareness campaigns like I'm a Mac, I'm a PC, where they weren't telling you to buy a Mac Mac. Um, they were showing you how to feel um, in a way that wasn't as direct as their advertising in the 80s. In fact, it was really just saying that we know how PC users feel. And just letting you know that they were Apple. And that's quite fascinating because that's so subtle and people desperately want to feel understood. That's probably the number one human condition. Um, feeling understood and the desire to feel understood is so desirable, it pushes things together like exploration, traveling across the country or across the world for someone you love. Love, you know, exploration, all of these things are uh, to be understood, um, It's always, in some way, we want to feel understood and understand other people. Um, You can explore how um, this works philosophically by watching the movie Interstellar. And when they go to man's planet on Interstellar, listen to what Matt Damon's character, man, uh, talks about um, when he says how being alone broke him. Um, This is what pushes the human condition forward. We want to form communities. We want to feel understood. And Huawei gets this. This is a Chinese company, surprisingly enough for most Americans. Um, Huawei is doing uh, so many things that are reminiscent of Apple in those days when Steve Jobs came back, and it was, uh, you know, doing those "I am a Mac, I am a PC" ads. Uh, this was pre iPod. Remember, this was pre iPhone, pre iPod, and the only reason people wanted a smartphone really was because they they had the idea that they loved. Their iPod and their phone could also be their iPod. That's what got people into smartphones. Plain and simple was if it wasn't for the iPod, we probably would still have a very small percentage of the population using phones like a BlackBerry. I mean... Even Android, the first Android, was going to look more like a BlackBerry than it was like we know smartphones to look now. In fact, Google had released a patent for a phone that looked more like a BlackBerry with a physical keyboard. And then Apple came out with the iPhone. They scrapped that patent and came out with the Androids that we know within a year after... um, the iPhone, they had released that patent, the new updated patent. We never saw uh, the Google phone that looked more like a BlackBerry. So we have a lot about technology to thank from Apple, such as um, personal computing, uh, portable music players, uh, specifically digital portable music players, um, solid state drives, uh, the popularity of solid state drive technology. um and, uh, of course, uh, smartphone technology as we know it. Um, and what's interesting is, is before the iPod, nobody was paying attention to Apple. Not like they were after the iPod, and definitely not like after the the iPhone. But there was all the evidence that Apple was coming back, Um and this is quite evident in their marketing strategies that Huawei is channeling. It's it's almost like they have a Steve Jobs running their company. And the amazing thing is, is they're pre-iPod. Like it's it's not even that they're pre iPhone. They're pre-iPod and the evidence is there. And before you know it, Um, Once they have their iPhone moment, that's going to be the nail in the coffin for um, Apple because right now Huawei phones are the go-to Android phone um, everywhere in the world pretty much except for um, America and it's pretty apparent you go anywhere else in the world, um, you have either an iPhone or a Huawei, like that's how people refer to Android technology Um, and imagine if it was, uh, if Android in America had a hardware maker like Huawei. Google, of course, doesn't want Huawei here for the sole purpose of they want to be the Android phone maker in America. Um, but Google doesn't have the innovation, uh, that Huawei does, sadly. I mean, i Google does great things. I mean, they have the most important public service that humanity has ever seen with Google. Um, and I'm really, really glad that they're, you know, working on redesi- redefining Google search and coming out with Google search 2.0. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, I predict Huawei will overthrow Apple. Um, and when android has the market share it does and you have a marriage of device and software like huawei will have that apple never had and android will have through huawei um we'll see um a new a new push in mobile phone technology in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, I think that the kind of open source we have with Android technology that pushes its innovation forward in the software, we'll start to see that more and more after the fall of Apple. Um, We'll start to see that more and more um, with uh, the hardware side of things. And that will be quite interesting to see hardware engineers that are open sourcing their stuff and can use branding and marketing to get noticed in a way where they have a market of customers that moves things forward in a very decentralized way. It'll be fascinating, but um, Apple's in a bubble. That's pretty apparent. Um, when it pops, Huawei will be left standing um, and they will compete directly with Google and their phones in America for market share. Um, that will be inevitable. Um, once Apple falls and I don't want to see Apple fall, but the fact of the matter is, is I, I don't see them doing what's necessary to, um, compete in the future. Um, they'd literally have to decentralize and open source, uh, their innovation to make up for the loss of Steve Jobs, um, That would be amazing if Apple chose to decentralize their entire business model um, and open source innovation in a way where they became um, a quality brand. That's the only thing that I see changing this, is if they do something as radical as turning over their entire executive administration function to um, some sort of cryptographic algorithm to... Uh, manage the company and open source it in a way where Apple was just quality control and um, they open sourced all of their hardware and software technology to engineers all over the world. Uh, that would that would change my prediction completely. Do I see them doing that? No. Why? Because... Um, that's not something you want to be wrong about and could be seen as fiscally irresponsible in the centralized climate that we have right now um someone like Tim Cook if he did that even for the benefit of the company in the long run um the quarterly game and yearly game um would take a hit for a while and um, Unfortunately, if that lasted, you know, more than a year or two or just any longer than he's told, you know, the shareholders to be patient about, um, he could be held directly responsible um, on a criminal level. So I don't see that happening. Um, I wouldn't encourage um, Tim Cook to do anything that, you know, could put him in prison. Um, I think he's doing the best he can, um, especially in the shadow of Steve jobs. Um, it's, it's impossible to even be Steve jobs living in the shadow of Steve jobs. There's uh, the public perception and what is possible are two different things. So even though I believe that Tim cook can do everything Steve jobs can do, the fact that other people can't believe that, um, is limiting to his position so um unless something radical happens where you know he does this and somehow dies afterwards to that, that's the only way i could see uh see this happening you know if he were sick and uh decentralized the company and uh was gonna die shortly after just like steve jobs and you know that that would change things pretty quickly in my prediction. But as, as of Saturday, October twenty seventh, 2018, um, I predict that Apple will fall, they are in a bubble, and Huawei will take over um, their market share, and they will be the leading uh, phone hardware producer in the world, um, and it will be the start of a new era very exciting times. Um, as always with, uh, the prediction podcast, I leave this open to myself to change things. This prediction in the future, um, as time is the real harbinger of change and can change anything. Um, there is no absolute prophecy. Time is always going to change these things. Um, But as I see the ingredients and the data right now, this is how I see things going forward. Um, As new data comes forward and that I become aware of, um, I am more than willing to change this prediction. Um, If you disagree with anything that I say, uh, please reach out to me. Uh, You can find my podcast at anchor.fm slash Aware. Um, send me a message in the Anchor app uh, to my podcast, find me on there, and uh, I would love to hear your feedback, however you get to me, um, and I look forward to more of these predictions in the future. Welcome to episode three of the Prediction Podcast. Um, Today is Saturday, October 27th, 2018, and um, this prediction will conclude um, my three-part uh, prediction opening of this podcast, the three-in-one episode. Um, this prediction is about cryptocurrency, um, specifically uh, the future of Ethereum, Um I, I speculated a lot on cryptocurrency last year. Um, a couple years before that, I got pretty heavy into mining. That's how I had my intro into crypto. That's also how I realized that um, if you want to get into crypto and you think mining is the place to start, uh, you're wrong. Um, simply because um, any of the cryptos that you would want to mine... Uh, you're too late to start mining them. Um, I highly suggest always starting out with understanding the decentralized philosophy, um, where the future of decentralization goes, not just in currency, uh, but beyond currency. Uh, if you want to read some more on this, and I, I highly suggest checking out The Social Singularity. That is an amazing book a quick read, but really shows the vision of, um, where decentralization goes in the future, um, how it levels up, uh, everything from, uh, economies to business to, you know, nonprofits to governance. Um, it's, it's a pretty fascinating look in how things could, uh, be more positive in the future and, uh, more productive. And it's, uh, It's a great place to start. Um, If you're familiar with crypto, um, especially if you're speculating, I I think you'll really enjoy this prediction. Um, It'll probably piss off most people. Um, But what I see right now is there are two two crypto protocols that are first in the mind. Um, I've gone over the uh, books that go into a lot of these predictions, such as uh, the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, where being first in the mind is more important than being first in the market. It's the only thing that can usurp the import of rule number one, which is being first in the market. Um, Right now, there are really only two cryptocurrencies. Um, There's the Bitcoin protocol blockchain, and there is the Ethereum blockchain. Um, There's, of course, you know, argument. What is it? Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash? Which one is the future? When it comes to the Bitcoin blockchain, um, either one of them could qualify as the future. Um, I will leave my sentiment and analysis on that out of this episode as I realize now um, Ethereum has a PR problem. Um, They're also having an ethics problem. Um, They are a genius platform. I mean, Essentially, they figured out how to put computing into the cloud um, in a way that um, is very reminiscent of Silicon Valley, but um, they they are not what is being built in Silicon Valley. That's more of the gun protocol, um, which we'll be more familiar with in the future as uh, Axe. Um, but that aside, Ethereum is... Like I said, facing a PR problem and an ethics problem. I noticed that they were having a PR problem earlier this year um, when there was no mention of the ICO bubble of last year. Uh, The big FOMO push that we had um, in 2017 uh, that we saw, you know, a 20x that year as opposed to the Pretty typical 10x cycle that happens every end of year push, as I call it. We we seem to always have a push sometime between um, October to um, you know Christmas Eve time. Um, sometime between Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve, um, a correction starts to happen in. Uh, crypto because there's always a FOMO push at the end of year there's a lot of theories as to why this is I think it's um, I think it's quite possible that they're all true and that they're all combining in ways that um, are creating such a FOMO push every year but you see a 10x return every year if you get in at the right time usually um, in summer spring or right after the correction usually that um, happens in January, but last year we saw a, a 20x FOMO push, which is quite unusual because that's twice what you normally see, um, and that was mostly thanks to the um, the ICO bubble. Um, Ethereum is in itself an infrastructure, and the problem is is they are decentralized and open source in nature. Um, of course, they run a distributed. Uh, decentralized protocol um, which is great but a lot of um, the dApps and tokens and whatever on the Ethereum infrastructure were centralized protocols Um, and this is tough because um, this is counterproductive in the long run um, for anything that is establishing itself on a crypto platform uh, but if you have enough money and you have marketers um, you can make things work for a short period of time but what these ICOs were running into is the fact that they thought if they had enough money they could build their centralized solution on a decentralized distributed blockchain which is It's not possible. So they can build a solution, but until somebody figures out how to do, you know, their protocol and open source it and offer it for free, it kills their business model in the long run in a way that there's nothing they can do about it and their investors lose everything. Um, We were starting to see a lot of scams in the ICO world um, and that... uh, that really pushed things the end of 2017 to go up real high because they were selling people hopes and dreams. But people didn't understand um, decentralized or open source technology, so they didn't know that's how you qualify, whether or not something in the crypto sphere is a good investment. Um, so um, when, you know, the only people that were, pumping in these billions of dollars were people who were uninformed and there was no long-term support from people who understood how to look at sound crypto, Um, Ethereum started losing support. Um, But it wasn't Ethereum direct. You see, Ethereum isn't at fault for this. But um, I thought that eventually, you know, come Q1 or Q2 of 2018, Ethereum would come out and talk about, you know, the ICO dilemma and um, the beauty of decentralized networks and um, try and help people better understand um, why 80% of the quote unquote value, inflated value of the whole cryptocurrency marketplace just disappeared out of fear. This is because people don't know how to separate decentralized versus centralized tech. So they don't know how to identify centralized tech and decentralized space. And why they don't know to be afraid of it when it works better outside of decentralized space, but it's doomed to fail much quicker than we have ever become accustomed to in decentralized space. So these people are looking for things that are familiar because the human brain tracks familiarity. They get pulled into these centralized scams or just things that are doomed to fail and they get sucked in. Um, I thought that Ethereum would come out and explain this to people or at least, you know, come out with a way like a simple index for people to see what is centralized and decentralized just by, you know, sourcing the data. What has an open source protocol like that's a really great place to start. Um, And that would help the average investor. Uh, immediately identify instead of just going to coin market cap and lumping all the decentralized and centralized protocols, whether or not they're open source or not, together and that's uh, um, it's very confusing for the average investor. Um, and I, I think that they're running into a PR problem because they didn't speak out about this at all, um, and now they're running into an ethics problem because we saw. Uh, a push in Ethereum in September and then we hear recently about this mining scandal with Ethereum and now it's dipping again. Um, this is tough because I really want Ethereum to succeed. I am very pro-Ethereum, but they are facing some pretty big trials right now um, between the ethics of their miners who are probably you know just as discouraged by the fact that you know, Ethereum wasn't fixing its PR problem. Um, and it wasn't really up to Ethereum to fix. Like, that's the thing is like anyone could... Like, I am, in essence, helping them fix their PR problem more than they were. That's kind of the thing about decentralization is anyone can do any of these roles. Um, I am more, ha- more than happy to help them recover some by saying, you know, they had some responsibility By existing, it wasn't their choices that made this happen. In fact, this is just um, behavioral economics uh, looking at why people did what they did um, with tokens on the Ethereum platform. Um, This is not Ethereum's fault, it is a byproduct of their existence. They could have remedied it by talking out about this. Um, but then again, anybody could have remedied it by talking out about this. Um, I never expect that I'm the only one that sees these things. Um, but as time goes on, um, I'd start to wonder if I'm the only one that saw this. And that's kind of scary for me to think that I'm somehow the only one that sees this, um, which means I'm either crazy or right, um, Who knows? Um, I think that Ethereum will have a hard time picking up adoption, especially um, when people uh, don't know how to trust crypto because of what happened with the Ethereum platform and tokens. Everybody wants to get in on something small. I think we will see a traditional 10x push uh, this coming holiday season um, in 2018. Um, it will only be a month long like usual, and it will have its correction um, sometime between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve start and then take off after the New Year's. Um, this, this is uh, going to be the fact that uh, decentralized open source protocols will get support from serious investors that know what they're doing um but I think that they've they've all lost a little bit of trust in Ethereum, even if they don't know how to explain why. Um, they probably are still ensued with hope in it because it is an amazing platform. I still have a lot of hope in it despite the fact that you know the trust is tested um, but that's more to do with you know the uneducated quote unquote investor. That got into um, Ethereum tokens that were scamming them. as um, was in no fault of Ethereum, but it's going to take time for that trust to be repaired. Time is the ultimate repairer of that kind of trust. I see decentralized open source protocols um, gaining traction this holiday season. I don't see Ethereum. Um, doing any more than a 5x this holiday season where the other ones will do their traditional 10x um so i'd say you know pay attention to bitcoin bitcoin cash um monero library credits stuff like that you know the the decentralized open open source blockchains anything that has a white paper that you can understand um Is lacking in hype on their websites, looks like it was written by engineers, and has a platform that you can download, use, and understand how to use it. Maybe not become an expert, but at least see that, you know, maybe it's a piece of software from 1995. If it looks like that, that's a really good test um, in in practical application even if you're not an engineer you don't know how to really read a white paper um that's a great place to start um but i would i would highly suggest taking those steps when investing but i i see just a normal 10x push this year uh normal correction um a lot less press covering it this year um and maybe hopefully somebody you know makes this more apparent who has a broader reach than me to uh let people know that there's a difference between uh truly decentralized open source protocols um and centralized hopes and dreams on a decentralized distributed platform um this is this is the way things are going and um I think that there is a great future in Ethereum. Um, I have lost hope in it, you know, having the audience it needs to gain the traction this year, Um, but it will for sure make up for it in strides in the future. I am very long on Ethereum in the long term. Um, I would take great pause if you think that Ethereum could be a very, very valuable long-term token i think it is essential as a public service to the world um i think it, it could actually go down in price as time goes on i think that's inevitable with it um but in the short term within the next 10 years um i don't think that that is the case um but in the very short term this year i don't see it gaining the audience it needs to recover, I think that it is going to be below the miner price for a while, and that's going to keep pissing off miners. And they hopefully will not keep doing unethical things like the mining scandal we saw in uh, September, or August-ish. Um, but I, uh, I am very. Hopeful because these are self repairing organisms in my mind, they're very anti fragile in nature. Um, so Ethereum is not dead, it is not dying, and I don't think it's going to die. I think it's going to become stronger than ever when it recovers from this, and that is when I will be in the short term very long on Ethereum. I, um, but right now. Stick to open-source, decentralized protocols um, for this year-end push. Um, If you have any feedback, any questions, feel free to uh, send a comment through the Anchor app. Uh, Look for Anchor in the App Store. Um, Find my podcast on there, Deep Thoughts, by Ptolemy Soter. And uh, you can find my podcast at anchor.fm slash selfaware. And uh, please feel free to send me any questions, comments, concerns on these predictions. As always, uh, my predictions are subject to change in the future, as time is the ultimate changer of things. And um, of course, as new data comes forward, the ingredients to the future changes. But right now, this is my prediction Uh, as of... October 27th 2018 it is a Saturday and this concludes uh the trifecta of um my predictions for uh this prediction podcast um thank you for listening to this premiere episode I hope you enjoyed it in the future um I look to be doing these as one-offs um And covering much more topics. And uh, if you have any suggestions on topics, I uh, do predictions on everything from uh, crypto to politics to uh, marketing to business to industry to finance uh, to futurist technology endeavors. Um, I am a historian and writer by nature. Um, I like to do the research that other people don't. So um, please feel free to uh, challenge me with questions, challenge me with concerns. I'd love to turn this into a discourse. Um, and this concludes, once again, uh, episode number three of my prediction podcast. Thank you. <laughs>